Thank you, sir. Have fun. Bless you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Go ahead. I, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you. Uh, Pastor Jim, Mary, thank you for the honor of being here. Let me stand in this pulpit for a little bit. I don't take that lightly. Listen, uh, the Bible says that the reason we gather, the main reason we gather, there's a lot of purposes for the local church. Of course there is. But the Bible makes a point that the main reason we don't forsake ourselves for assembling is that we can stir one another in love and good works. And why that's important is so that we all can get in this same race. Uh, who knows, there's a lot of different grace and, and man of man manifold sides of grace who knows there's a lot of different callings and desires that are raised up in God in the body of Christ who knows there's a lot of faucets of ministry right but yet the Bible talks about the unity of faith and walking in oneness so there has to be something he's talking about in the midst of all the diversity of passion desire gifting calling and grace there has to be a common goal and cause that we should all be aware of is that true yeah so I want you to, well, let's just look here real quick at the end of Ephesians. I'm going to, something stirred in my heart last night. I was preaching and I said a line, a sentence, and I was, it got real big in my heart. And I felt like the Lord said that that'll be for tomorrow. And that's very rare for me. Usually I just get up here and I'm just ready to go for it, whatever comes in my heart. And I actually kneel during worship. If you see me kneel, sometimes I'm just reverencing. It's a personal thing. If you see me kneel a second time. That's me talking to the Lord about the honor of being up here. I don't take it lightly. I don't want to say what I want to say. I want to say what he says. So what I pray is, I say, if Pastor Jim handed you a mic in a few minutes, you know the room and exactly what you'd say. Would you please let that be the only words that come out of my mouth? And it feels like when I get up here, that happens to me. That's, you can criticize that all you want, but that's what it feels like happens to me when I get up here. I feel like the Lord begins to speak and empowers people. Who knows he knows this room? When a preacher comes, especially a guest speaker, don't always think that what they're preaching is so what you need to hear because it's correction. Sometimes it's because you're ready for it. And I feel like today what I'm going to preach is you're so ready for this and, and it's time to live this out because you have a call on your church, for your area, and for your region, there's an impact that God wants to have. And he wants everybody on page and in the race. So there's a high synergism because we're all living in oneness. Does this make sense? Okay, so that's just the heartbeat of where we're at this morning. I know it's Sunday morning. I won't have tons of time. So I'm going to move along and, and, and probably go fast. But I want you to see the end of Philippians chapter 1. And I want you to see what it says in verse 27. Verse 27 says, only let your conduct... Be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Isn't that an amazing phrase? Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that just that one line right there tells me that Christianity is way more than me getting a blessing. It's way more than God providing for me, protecting me, or taking me to heaven when I die. This is a life that I'm called to live. I've been born again. I've been brought in, bought into a life that I was created for. And only let your conduct be worthy. This is amazing. This is life. I, have, I color my Bible, so purple in my Bible is Christian commandment, Christian conduct. Like anything that God exhorts me to live that says my life should be lived this way, I call it Christian conduct or the commands of the Lord. My Bible is, is purple. Uh, that color purple is commandments. This is just Philippians. What predominant color do you see from way out there? This is all about the life we live. Not just the forgiveness of sins, which is phenomenal and huge. Not just the, the eternal life we've received in our name. Get it jotted down in a book called Life, and it'll be called out in that day. That's all phenomenal. I'm not making light of that. But this is all about the life that we live. And we're in a journey. We're, on a, we're in a race. We're on a journey. We have a goal. Paul called it a goal. Yeah, we're going to reach a goal. And I want you to think that way. I said it all weekend. I said it everywhere I go. If you're a Christian to survive, check your heart and ask, why am I a Christian? Why did I get saved? Did you just go to heaven so I could be forgiven because I was convicted? And the, the, the carrot of that is eternal life. That's amazing. Who knows that's enough to sign up? But scripturally, that's not why you're born again. You're born again to live the life 
that he created you for. So born again means you're born again as if you were never born before. So the first birth is in Adam. The second birth is in Christ. The first one's in the flesh. The second one's in the spirit. So when you get born again in the spirit, you get everything that God is coming inside of you so everything God is can begin to come through you. Are you with me? See, because in John 4, you have a well springing up into everlasting life. But in John 7, you have a river flowing out of your belly if you believe in him as the scriptures say. This he spake of the spirit who had not been yet given because he was not yet glorified. Are you with me? John 4, born again experience, well, well springing up into everlasting life. That's a good day. But does that sound a little different than a river flowing out of your belly? Two different things. Amen. So we're born again so that the river can come and flow out of our belly. So let's walk in a manner and let our conduct be worthy of him. Does this make sense? Okay. Now I want you to see this because it's all in your going and your living. We're storing treasures for heaven, people. We're not, oh my goodness, I got to, we're not, I know this is going to sound redundant, but we just got to hear this. We're not here to survive. We're not trying to make it as unscathed as possible to the end. You're not here just for well-being. You're in covenant with God. He's got you. And no matter what you go through, he's good and he's there and you'll always have enough if your heart's set on his will and his purpose. You know how we quote the scripture in Romans 8 all the time, he works all things together for, a lot of times we throw that out as a hope because we're in a jam. He works all things together for the good. It says for those who love him, that means you'll never change your mind about him. That means you're not in this for you, and no matter what it looks like and what he seems and the part he's playing, he's good, I love him, I've got my heart set on him, and that can't change. And I'm called according to his purpose. So just know that on the back of working all things together for the good, it's for those who love him and and are called according to his purpose, not those who prayed a prayer to go to heaven. Just saying. (laughs) Come on, a lot of times we put these scriptures on our refrigerator because our hearts are uneasy and unsettled and life has us intimidated and we're coming into the gospel to get through life. No, you come into the gospel to get life so that you can walk in life and live in life and manifest life and impart life. People, we're not afraid. There's no fear in Christianity. There's no fear in the body of Christ. You don't even have the spirit of fear. So it's totally abnormal for a spirit-filled person to believe fear is normal. Why? Because you love not your own life unto death. You've denied yourself. You've picked up your cross. You're following Jesus. Come on, only there you're going to have an impact. If we don't get there, then life's going to move us. And then we're only as good as how it's going, and how it's going is who I am. And now that's our story. That's what we talk about. That's what we need prayer for for three weeks in a row by 10 different groups. I'm just being real. And all of a sudden, it's our story. Look, it would be amazing if none of those things happened to us. But the Bible says they will. And the Bible's not being negative and it's not forecasting doom. It's preparing us so we're not caught off guard. And the love of God empowers us to be ready no matter what. He says many are the afflictions of the righteous. So we shouldn't be stumbled by affliction. But the Lord delivers him out of them. Sometimes you get delivered out of them all. You don't. I was going through a situation one time in my physical body years and years ago. Long story. Don't have time for it uh, to go into detail. It was witchcraft and some leaders in my life thought I was in spiritual pride. It was just bizarre. And they thought I was ashamed or afraid to go to a doctor. I just knew it was witchcraft. I don't need a doctor. It's witchcraft. I need the finished work of Christ. And I corrected them strongly. They were all leaders. I was very young in the Lord, but I corrected them strongly. I said, you take me to children's church and tell me all these crazy mind-boggling stories out of this book. And then when I need to believe one and hold on to what you taught me as a child, you tell me to use wisdom. 
And the only reason they were doing it is because of sentiment, because they cared about me and they liked me and they were afraid for me. So they were trying to help me at the cost of faith in the finished work of Christ. Imagine that, preachers. And the one man said, but brother, look at your leg. I said, when would you ever preach that from the pulpit? You're saying that in a back room. When would you ever say that from the pulpit? You'd have the drummer there. You'd have the keyboard man. You'd say, you never live by what you see. You live by the things that are unseen because the things that are seen are temporary and subject to change. Everybody, hallelujah, amen. And now you're in a back room saying, look at your leg. My leg doesn't determine God. God determines my leg. Don't get it backwards. If I'm in fear, if I'm in love for myself, if I'm just worried about my well-being, I'll just make a self-decision. But if I'm surrendered, I understand what it means to believe in God. So the other pastor said, but you have a revelation of righteousness that I envy. You walk with God in a way that I wish I would. He said, I don't even understand how you got this with God. I'm envious of your revelation. You know and understand righteousness. I don't understand how this can touch you. That's what he said. And I said, I think you're looking at my leg. Look in my eyes and tell me if it's touching me. I hope you got that. Because we look at outward things. The thing is trying to get here. If it gets here, it wins. If it's touching here, it's way on the outside. (laughs) Are you with me? I feel a little fired up this morning. Just kind of talking it like it is. So leaders that are preaching faith behind the scenes because they're sentimental or subverting faith. Now, I'm not preaching against doctors. It was witchcraft. I knew it for a fact. I had a demonic experience. It walked in my bedroom. It said, I've come to put sickness in your leg, and you're now going to lose your leg. It was standing right beside my bed. Now, that's a pretty intense attack, you would think, for a guy that's only like two years old in the Lord. But the Lord won't allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. So I am well ready and able in the Holy Ghost to walk through that. It wouldn't have happened if I couldn't walk through it. God would have smote it, and I wouldn't have known it even walked in my room. But he let it walk in, and he just sat back and said, so what are you going to do? And when you wake up in the morning, and you tell that thing to get out of your room, and it leaves, and you laugh and say, it's a liar, and you're the father of lies, and there's no truth in you. Now I know I'm not losing my leg because you're a liar, and it walks out of your room, and you believe you stood, and then in the morning you can't move your leg. That's when we fall apart. And that's when we reduce this to theory and speech and principles and promise books instead of a revelation of covenant through his unfailing love that lives in my heart. Are you with me? See, because if you don't die to yourself, you ain't making it through that. If this is all about you and your leg and now what and I I prayed and how could it and why didn't God protect and now you got so many questions that everything you thought you believed is clouded out. This is real warfare. This is real stuff. This isn't somebody taking your parking place or looking at you mean. When this whole thing ended, I cried for over an hour on my bed probably. And I said, are we ready? Are we surrendered and even ready to pass these kind of tests? Or will we just fall apart and throw in the towel? And why God and mad at God? And if this is Christianity, I don't want it. I know that's strong, but that's real. You make sure you're all in. Fear is not normal in the body of Christ. Angels don't understand it and heaven doesn't understand it. Jesus said, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Don't be afraid. Over and over, it's all through your Bible. Why? Because we're not living for now. We're living for that day. And faith understands that. And faith says, I'm on a journey and I'm passing through as a pilgrim. This is not my home. Be real with me. You can handle this church. I know it. I heard it in my heart. This is not my home. 
I am a pilgrim and a sojourner on a wisp and a vapor journey. Passing through. Revealing the goodness and glory of God that I'm surrendered. I'm no nonsense, uncompromised, have no time for the flesh. Man of the spirit, Jesus is Lord. And my life's going to prove it and the fruit's going to bear. Are you with me? That's not to a few called ones. That's to the called and the chosen. Are you good? Okay, I hope you're good because... Oh, my goodness, I got this little phone. They don't have no clocks around here. <laughs> oh, you don't know how that freaks me out. A guy like me, I don't even know, ever know what time it is. I preach for two hours and not even think about it. And I'm like, ah, no clock. Oh, I was so afraid Friday night, and fear's not even supposed to be in the body of Christ, and I was so afraid. I was just concerned it was really late. It was only, it was an hour less than I thought, so I was relieved by that, even though people probably were like, man. <laughs> only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, that means you're just for real. You're not just doing it because Paul's present. You're doing it because Paul's not present because it's who you are and you're, it's real. Paul says to the Philippians, not only in, 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 in my presence, but also in my absence in Philippians 2. He says, it's God working in you both to will and do for his good pleasure. Boy, don't ever miss that stuff. God's in you for his good pleasure. He's not just here to fill your fats and barns. Who knows he'll fill your fats and barns? Who knows there's blessings and promise of provision and all that good stuff, right? That's not the goal. That's just the perks and benefits of being in covenant. The goal is him working both to will and do for his good pleasure. That you walk in the light as he's in the light. That you manifest him through the course of life. That when you get squeezed, all that's in you to come out is Jesus. Yeah? I'm telling you, this thing is real. We're in a war. And the war isn't against us. It's against the kingdom of God. And he can't stop God, so his only option is to stop you and God in you. So every adversity you go through as a Christian, you can't take it personal. It's all about the kingdom. It's trying to shut down your enthusiasm, your encouragement, your motivation, and your forward progress. Every trial you've ever been through, if you internalize it and take it personal, you will never pass a test. In time, you will question God. Why is he letting all these happen to me? Did I open a door? I don't know what God's trying to teach me. I'm just about half frustrated. And if one more thing happens, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, you just invited two more things. Because what you're saying is I'm not dead and my life is my own. And I'm in this for something other than surrender and the manifestation of Christ. I'm in it for blessing, provision, protection. And if those things don't happen, my attitude will reveal. Are you okay? He said it was going to be a dangerous message. It's your pastor's fault. He prophesied that. (laughs) But a safe environment. I like that. Dangerous message in a safe environment. I'm going to make that every weekend for the rest of my life. Yeah. You can hear I'm preaching the word. You can see it's sharp. It's from the Lord. I'm telling you, he's calling us into this. He's saying, are you surrendered? Why are you in this thing? Check your heart this morning. Make sure you're just not in this for blessing. Make sure you're not in this just to get the promotion or for people to treat you better or for you to get through unscathed. Paul went through perils and stuff, and man, he was struck down and not destroyed. He persecuted. He wasn't forsaken. He, there, was, there, was, there, was, there was like six things, four to six things. Paul goes, bam, bam, bam. And he says, you know, the brief moments, light affliction when you compare it to the weight of his eternal glory when he comes. We could be looking at Paul and trying to preach faith to him. You know, if you had more faith, your circumstances would probably change. There's a time he was abounding and a time he was abased. You know, when we're abased, what did I do wrong? And now we're insecure and our identity takes a hit through our circumstances. Your identity never changes in Christ. Paul's abased. He's abounding and he's abased. He said, none of that changes. Nothing changes me. Godliness with contentment's great gain. I'm the same in every situation I'm in. Because it's not about my situation. It's about why I'm here. 
See, if you're in a car wreck and all you can think about is the car wreck and your insurance ripping you off and I don't have money for a new car and I hope they, and all you can think of is your well-being, you will never manifest Christ in a car wreck. You will just be like any man that ever was in a car wreck that didn't know Jesus or never went to church. They're the places you shine. They're the places you don't love your own life unto death. You make sure everybody's okay. You worship God for protection and whatever and, 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 and you and you manifest him without trying because you're not so moved by the accident because you're living in him. That should be, oh my gosh, why did this happen? I can't believe now you got three spiritual questions that are ailing you and next thing you're not praying the same and your view of God has shifted a little and now you're thinking he's strategically, mysterically, charadingly teaching you something. Then you bump into two mystical friends and they make it even more complex. Oh, I'm not that far off. I've been saved 28 years. I've been around enough to know this stuff happens. It's very simple. Your life's not your own. The life comes and goes and things happen and many are the afflictions of the righteous. You walk in a manner worthy of him. Whether I come, whether I don't, you stand fast in one spirit. Get this, one mind. Look at this one. Striving together. That's us, guys. I'm talking to the house. Paul's talking to that. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. He's not talking about faith. He's talking about the faith of the gospel. That's different than faith to get a promotion. That's different than faith for healing. The faith of the gospel is different than the Faith you have in your belt to move a mountain. The faith. Every time you see the word the in front of faith, he's talking about the perspective every Christian is supposed to have now that Christ came. You're supposed to be built up in the faith, established in the faith, obedient to the faith, resisting the devil, standing steadfast in the faith, the unity of the faith. There are just a few examples of Scripture. Are you with me? So what does the faith look like? Striving together. Sounds like we're supposed to put effort there. We're not saved by works, but there's some things we work on. Sounds like we're supposed to pay attention to that one. Striving together, that our main goal, our focus, one mind, one spirit, striving together, making sure we're all on the same page and in this thing for the same reason. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. Let me give you a practical example of what the faith of the gospel can look like in my heart and my mind. I was born for a reason. That reason was lost through Adam. Jesus restored that reason. Man, my life's not my own. Christ lives in me, and the whole purpose I'm on the earth is to shine, walk in love, and manifest his glory. Come hell or high water, that doesn't change. I'm in. I'm surrendered. I'm carrying my cross. I'm following you. That's the faith. That's not if you die tonight and don't know where you're going, pray this prayer. I'm sorry, I'll get so many letters for this one. That is a lame message when you don't attach the truth to it and teach people why they're really here. You are not here to go to heaven. You are here to manifest heaven. And and we've become so self-serving in our gospel, our gospel, that all we do is tend to get tricked into preaching messages that benefit us without transforming us. So all over the nation today, there's sermons being preached that warm our hearts and encourage us and give us hope and make us feel without probably ever even challenging the flesh side of life and raising up the things of the Spirit in us. Just trying to keep us encouraged when we should be so ridiculously encouraged because I'm forgiven of every sin I've ever committed. I'm going to stand before God accepted in the beloved. He will never change his mind. Love will never fail. A million years from now, it'll be the same. I'm in for good. I'm in for keeps. I've already won. Not trying to win. Already won. I'm in and I can't be out. You see what's wrong with me? No, I believe what I'm telling you for 28 years, and I believe it more now than I believed it 20 years ago. 
and life's come and gone. And I've lost a few people. We've had some hard knocks and I've lost some friends. And I've held some people with cancer and watched them die. And my own brother fell over dead unexpected. And Yeah, we all have it, guys. It's just a part of life. We're on a journey. We're walking through. We're not so caught up sentimental that we can't love God anymore. Because if we can't love God anymore, we didn't love him in the first place. Life should never have the power to take the giver of life out of me. And away from me. Life is the tool he's using. To manifest himself through us. Are you with me? We ought to have one heart. One mind. Striving together for the unity of. The faith. That's who you are. Now that he came. And it's why we're all here. We're all here to shine. We're all here to walk in love. We're all here to manifest Jesus. There's so much diversity in us. There's so many differences. Come up here real quick. Run up here. Real quick. Come on. Show everybody how handsome you are. Turn around here. <laughs> Watch. If, if I came to this church and he comes to this church and you all got to know us, you would never mistake us. What's your name? Rob. You would never say to Ralph, you'd say, hey, Dan. Oh, sorry. I always get you two mixed up. <laughs> you wouldn't come to me and say, hey, Ralph. Ah. Rob. Oh, Rob, Rob. Oh, bummer. Yeah, I see. I got him mixed up. I just don't want you to forget my name. No, no, I won't. Rob. You, 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 you come up to me and you say, hey, Rob. And, you, and, I, and I say, Rob, I'm, I'm Dan. Oh, I'm sorry. You guys, I always get you mixed up. Who knows that ain't going to happen? <laughs> now watch this. There's so many differences between us. Age, preferences, stuff, man. Appearance, but watch. Because we don't look anything alike. Would you agree? But watch this. We can both look just like him. And that's the goal of the cross. That wherever Rob is and lives, he wakes up and looks like Jesus. Wherever I wake up and live, I look like Jesus. Till the whole earth is full of his glory. We're waiting for some manifestation or breeze to blow. He's waiting for us to understand what he accomplished and who we are now that he came. We don't look anything alike, but we can both look just like him. That's what makes us one. So we're striving together for the unity of the faith, the faith. Watch this. This is you in your heart. I don't know if you ever prayed this. Start thinking this way. My life's not my own. Nobody owes me a thing. Man, I'm on a journey. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a sojourner. This is not my home. My roots aren't deep here. My roots are deep in him. I'm alive for the glory of God. I'm alive for his great name. Watch this. I'm done with frustration. I'm done with unforgiveness. I'm done with anxiety and fear. I'm done with worry. My life is in him. I'm on a mission. He lives in me to reveal himself through me in the midst of it all. There's no challenge greater than who he is. And who he is is revealed in the challenge. So he always wins. My life is surrendered. You ought to talk that way when nobody's looking and get yourself to believe it. Or you're going to get moved by what somebody said and their name ain't Jesus. You're going to get moved by what somebody did and their name ain't Jesus. And all of a sudden what you've been through is your story and it's your feelings and it's your disposition and it's your output. And I'm not saying these things are fun. My hair is white enough, I can talk like this and get away with it. No, no, I've been on the earth long enough to have been through enough hell to talk openly. To have enough wrongdoing and enough people doing things you knew they'd never do. Come on, be real with me. My hair is white enough, I've lost enough folks to tragedy and unexpected deaths. But I think you see a passion in me and a love for God. Do you know why? This ain't my home. We're on a mission. We're on a journey. And we're not 007 secret agents. We're let your light so shine before men. So they see your life lived and give glory to God. That's called evangelism. One spirit striving together. It sounds like we're on a mission. It sounds like this takes effort. We're going to strive together. 
for the faith. The biggest challenge of a local pastor, in my opinion, over the years that I've realized is getting tricked into just doing better church where people like to come because that feels like success if they like to be there instead of empowering them to live Christ on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Biggest challenge of a local pastor is just doing better church because people are church shopping that's provide the product they're looking for instead of empowering them to live Christ wherever they are because that's success in a church. Yeah? It's not 10,000 strong. It's however many look like Christ. And not in any way. Uh-oh, this is scripture talking. Now you see I got back up. <laughs> Philippians 28. And not in what? Not any way. Not in any way. Uh-oh, what? Not in any way. Terrified by your adversary. And that's not your neighbor, your people, or your spouse. Or people or your spouse. The adversary. He roams around like a. And who's he seeking? And who's that? Whoever's not surrendered. Because all he has to do is a little poke and a little prod. Get you a little self-focused. Get you a little all about you and how they treated you. And you don't know my story. Hey, how you doing, brother? Uh, it's been a rough one, man. I mean, I'm doing all right. Just keep me in prayer. It's been a tough season. That's what you get. That means we are what's happening. People say, I've been going through a real wilderness place, man. Must be the Israelites' wilderness, not Jesus's. Get over in his wilderness. <laughs> Their wilderness was self-focused and self-centered. They wandered and died. His wilderness is selfless. He was empowered by God and ministered to by angels and crushed the devil. Don't you tell me you're in a wilderness. You've just given yourself away. You're on a self-centered journey is what you're on. It's just all about me and you don't know. I just wrecked my car and then I got laid off and I wasn't expecting it. Why when you get laid off do you just become laid off? When are you not a child of God? Why don't you read the paper and go, man, I don't know what I'd do if I wasn't in covenant. God, if I didn't know you, I'd be in trouble. I wouldn't even know where finances are coming from. But you're so good, I know a door's going to open as quick as one closing, even if it seems like a stretch. Man, and all of a sudden you tell your wife, don't you even be afraid and cry, girl. We should be rejoicing. God's got us, man. He called us out of darkness into the light. I ain't in a sea of unbelievers. I'm in the kingdom of God. But as soon as you get that layoff, you on 14 prayer chains. You already called your pastor crying. You know why? Because we're using God hoping to get through life. Don't, can I yell in your church? Don't use God to get through life. He's not a busboy, a table waiter, a genie in a bottle. He's your father and like father, like son. And he wants to live through you and shine through you in the face of all those things so people see there's another way called the. Are you with me? Can I be really strong? What? Oh, am I already strong? No, no, I'm about ready to turn on. I'm feeling this right now. No, no, watch this. No, no, watch this. You tell me, this isn't criticism or negative, this is just sober. What good does it do if I go to a church for 50 years, never miss a Sunday, serve in ministry, exemplary, get thrown into a trial and respond like the man that never went to church? You tell me what that accomplishes. It's just religion and it doesn't impress the world. Is that fair? No. You know why I heard to preach this thing like this? Because you're ready for it. Because God wants to do something through a group of people that believe. Not to just believe in healing, which is amazing. Not just believe in finances, which is amazing. But believe in a life surrendered for the manifestation of Christ through every trial in life. <sighs> okay. Oh, dear Jesus. Not in any way, not in any way, terrified by your adversaries, which to them is proof of their destruction. 
to you evidence of your salvation. What? I thought it was the prayer I prayed one day. Oh, wow. And that from God, salvation. For you, I think we skip over these verses. I think we just read the rainbow stuff. For to you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Suffering isn't sickness. It's persecution and going through stuff just because you're on the earth, but being in the world and never of the world. Never conformed to the world, but transformed because you think like you've never thought before. You with me? I need you to see something that's sobering. In Matthew 7, you might not realize this, but I, I want you to see this. You want to go there to Matthew 7 with me? Well, he says something very sobering in 21. He says, not everybody says to me, Lord, Lord, that's not where I want to go. And I don't want to freak people out and get everybody questioning their salvation, but... There's a lot of people saying they're saved for a lot of reasons. You, you only come to God because you realize you were living your life apart from what he intended and created you for. That your life was guilty of sin and he's willing to forgive your sin and pay the price to make that happen. So now you're coming back to God, not just to get forgiveness, to give him what was never yours. Your life. Because it was never your life. It was always designed to be his life in you. That's why suicide is such a tragedy. It's one of the gravest, most deceived expressions of humanity is when somebody gets tricked into taking what's not even theirs. Well, it's my life. I'll do with it what I want. It's never your life, friend. It was always designed to be his life in you. And that's the warfare. So if the enemy can stop that, he can stop the kingdom, purpose, and destiny for that life, and he can cancel all the fruit that could be stored in all the treasures in heaven. That's why abortion is such a tragedy. Well, it's my body. It's my life. It was never your body and your life. You're his body and his life. But self-centeredness is such a wretch, and it has swept the earth through sin. The tragedy is that Christians stay there and hold on to Adam as they try to live Christ. That's why there's unforgiveness in the body of Christ. Now, I might be far-fetched, you might think, but I believe we can have what we believe for. I, I just believe it's possible to have resolved conflicts and not have fallouts. I believe it's possible to work through things and not get offended. I actually believe it's possible to have a place of actual peace because we've been formed in love and we know how to handle stuff without offense. I mean, the church looks messy at large. I'm not being negative. People shift in churches. You're three churches in because this and this, and you carry that into the fourth church. After the fourth church, you don't even do church. Now you're in a basement with 10 other people that don't do church. And now it's holy and amazing because it's not religion, and there's no controlling pastors. No, you'll probably be Matthew 721 prophesying over each other for 25 years, saying, didn't we prophesy in your name? <sighs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'll back up. Uh, no, I'm really, I'm not sorry. But I'll back up. <laughs> so therefore, whoever, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man with white hair. Oh, no. To a wise man who built his house. I thought I saw white. With a, who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended. And the floods came. And the winds blew and beat vehemently on that man or on the house. Okay. So what is the storm's goal? To destroy the occupant or destroy what was built around or in the occupant? 
The goal of the storm is to destroy the kingdom, to stop the word of God, to break down what's being built. If you take adversity personal and internalize adversity, you're going to make a big mistake because you're in a demon war against the kingdom of God. Here's what you need to see. The wise man didn't do anything wrong. He didn't open a door. The storm came just because he heard. You see the war we're in? You look, there's a foolish man. He heard and he didn't do nothing. Same storm came to him as came to the wise man. What's the purpose of the storm? To take away the validity, the power, and the future of what you heard. You can go to Matthew 4 or Mark 4 if you want to look at it. It says that the sower sows the word. He said it's the parable of parables. That if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any parable. Isn't that what he said? Parable of the sower. The sower sows what? The word, the seed. The seed is the word. And when he explains it, he says that Satan comes immediately. Some translations say for the word's sake. New King James says to take away the word. As soon as the sower sows the word, Satan shows up to what? Take the word that was sown. How's he do that? Through circumstances, you get encouraged, you get fired up, you get a word from the Lord. They call your name out. You went and said, Lord, if you call me out of the aisle and you give me, and all of a sudden, Miss Mary's playing and flowing, and she says, you, ma'am, yes, in the polka dots there, stand out. For the Lord says, whoa, and you get the word, and then you leave, and the heat of the day comes, and a trial in life, and you go, you make it a personal thing, and you go, now, why God just did this? I don't know why you're letting me go through this already. Lord, I thought that was over, and I didn't think, and how come I always have to go through when, if anything else happens, Lord, I'm about ready to crumble. Come on, I'm not that far off here. In the heat of the day, and because that thing had no root in it, Planted on the rocks, no root. What are you rooted and grounded in? Ah. Had no root, just had need and wanted provision. Had no covenant relationship and love. Just had need and wanted provision. Come on, man. This thing is real. Can we talk? There's people in this room, you've lost children. I talked to two this morning that lost children. That's real. That's, that's tough. That's... But there's a way to see that and taxi through that through eternal life and understanding you, you lost something, but you can't lose if you stay in the race. Because you have to understand when you came into this thing, you surrendered. You saw his love. You believed he was good. You can't come into a crisis and all of a sudden question what you said you knew. Questions cloud out what your heart knew. John the Baptist did it. He's the forerunner. He's the voice in the wilderness crying out. Come on. He was hand raised by God out there in the wilderness. And if there's anybody that knew Jesus was the Christ, it was John. Peter had a little flicker. But John knew. But when he's in prison, what did he do? Well, why are you asking that question if he's the one when you know he's the one? Because you're in prison. And if I'm who I am, then why am I sitting in this prison? Why is Herod abusing me? And how come I'm... You know it happened because when the two guys went and asked Jesus if he's the one that John sent him, Jesus said, you go back and tell John. What you both see and hear that the gospels, well, he said that the lame are walking, the blind are seeing, the lame are walking, the deaf are hearing, the poor are having the gospel preaching. Blessed is the man who's not offended because of me. Why did he say that? Because John's question came from questions. And the questions clouded out what his heart knew, even by the Spirit of the Lord. 
And he asked a question that he already knew the answer to because of personal offense, because of circumstance. So if you get treated unjust, do you just become an unjust treated person? Are you a child of God manifesting Christ in the middle of injustice? We sing the song, Dancing on the Streets of Injustice. I don't think we're ready to dance on the streets of injustice at large. I think we're ready to file a petition and get on a bus and pick it. <laughs> no, I cry over this stuff. I said, Lord, if the hammer ever falls in this country and it gets hard, I don't know that we're ready to other than just to complain and pick it and stand for our rights. Come on, we didn't pass COVID. We sure didn't pass the election. I watch people I've known for years get angry over the election. Lose the heart and the love of God. Cynical, demean people, bad-mouthed Democrats. You're supposed to be praying and have compassion. Whether it's right or wrong, you're supposed to believe in God that ultimately is going to reign and rule. You don't start making jokes about people and laughing at their incompetency and making fun because they might have dementia and they're in office. Oh, I've heard it through the church for years now. And it's a dead giveaway that we don't understand what lives on the inside of us. And we really don't understand why he does. You're going to fear COVID? You're going to get mad because you have to wear a mask? Come on, if we're that shallow, we're done. You're going to be freaked out over a vaccination and do all the studies and all the stuff, and you're going to let fear reign in your heart through natural facts? What about the gospel? What about God? He says, you eat any deadly thing, it won't harm you. Why are we all freaked out today? We're afraid to breathe air, most of us. I just breathe as much as I have to. <laughs> Come on, you know I'm not that far off. The, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I'm in the world, I'm not of it. I wanted you to see in Matthew that the same exact storm came to the wise and the foolish. It wasn't because they opened a door. It's because the word came. And the assault is on the word. Watch, I'm not being sarcastic. So that you go to church your whole life and maybe get tricked into the fact that you go to church, you're Christian instead of Christian meaning Christ-like, that when you get pressed, he comes out and shines. Doing a daily devotion doesn't make you a Christian. Christian is Christ-like. They were first called Christians in Antioch. It meant little Christ-like ones. Because they said, wow, they're just like him. Christian doesn't mean I attend church. Christian means I've surrendered to Christ and he lives in me and that's who you see. So my days of offense and unforgiveness, complaining are over. Do you know the Bible says that you do all things without grumbling and complaining? So that you can be seen as innocent, harmless children in the midst of a perverse generation whom you, shining forth as a light, hold forth the word of life? Oh, I hope that's us on our jobs. Instead of backbiting the boss in the lunchroom with the four guys that aren't saved. This is real talk. God forbid that we live in the things he paid the price to forgive us of and don't have conviction. Are you all good? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, I'll close with them guys. I like them guys. I'll be done on time, Pastor. I feel good. I'm going to honor this pulpit. I preach good, too, in your pulpit. <laughs> I told him yesterday, if you're going to let me stand up there, it better be good, because you're a good teacher. <laughs> oh, yeah, he is. Did you ever notice that in Shadrach's story, it was never about the fire? We think it's about what we're going through. No, the whole purpose of the story was compromise or no compromise. Bowing to what's not Lord or not bowing. The fire had nothing to do with the story, even in the mind of the Israelite boys, the Hebrew boys. 
Are you hearing me? They said, what is your fire to us, O king? We don't even have a need to answer in this matter. Then they threw this in at the end. Nevertheless, our God will deliver us from your fire. Like, what's your fire? This ain't about fire. This is about not bowing to something that's not him. Could be fear, fear for your life. Somehow these Old Testament young men had a revelation and didn't even love their own life unto death. So when they got thrown in the fire, it's a fascinating story because they're bound. They're bound. Head to, they're bound. They probably, they probably look like semi-mummies. Completely bound. Agreed? And the guards bring them down, open the door of the fire because the king's command was so urgent, the fire was so hot. What did the fire do? <laughs> Consumed the two guards from the king. Now you got three guys standing there totally bound and wrapped. I don't know. How did they even get in there? <laughs> the guys that are putting them in are going. It's a puzzling story. So the only thing I can imagine that Jesus was so ramped up by their faith, he said, this is going to be good. And he just kicked them in. You tell me how they got in there. You couldn't get close to the door. The heat's raging. That's pushing back. If the heat blew out of there so fast and burned those two guards crispy bacon, they are not moving forward. I think Jesus pushed them in. I could be wrong, but I think I'm right. We'll find out someday. Don't argue over it. It doesn't change everyday purpose. Don't blow up Facebook. Don't blow up social media and get caught up all day for 12 hours in a debate and accomplish nothing for the kingdom. Just saying there. And feel spiritual because you're talking about scripture. Just shut it off and go love somebody. Turn it off and go pray for somebody instead of trying to be right. The people on the other end might not even be Christian. They might be drinking beer laughing at you because you think they're Christian. What a bunch of idiots. Hey, I'm 13. I'm just wondering. Oh, now you're, I'm just crying right now. So many tears are pouring out. You're, you're doing all this online. You don't even know if it's who you're talking to. Go out and look in somebody's eyes and get real. And go love somebody. Yeah, just a thought. I think Jesus pushed him in. But you know the best part to me of the story? When Jesus showed up in the fire, and they all realized there was a fourth man in there, when they were like, don't you love VeggieTales? Who ever watched VeggieTales growing up? <laughs> my, my little granddaughter, we was VeggieTaling it all the time. And, and on that, that, the furnace, it looks like a big, it just looks like a big metal with, and the light goes, out of all the, and I just start crying, watching, I'm like, because I'm like, that's the Lord, <laughs> and my granddaughter would be sitting there when that part's coming, she's, this, you can see her little face, she's looking, waiting for grandpa to cry, she's like, and I know what's coming, so I'm crying before it's coming, because it's real to me, I don't care if it's veggie tales, but that little guy, he's like, hey boss, he's like, how many, how many guys did we throw in the furnace? He said, three. I mean, he's got a big pickle warts, you know. He's like, three. He said, three. He said, well, boss, there's four in there, and one is really shiny. <laughs> Who's ever watched that? Now, here's my favorite part. He didn't put out the fire. Why? The fire was never the problem. That's not the issue. The fire's not the issue. It's the compromise. Because if he put out the fire, Pastor, then the fire's a problem. He wouldn't give the fire enough honor to put it out. Because he's Lord over the fire. And the fire shouldn't be Lord over people that are selfless and surrendered. And you shouldn't be able to move Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with fire. So you got to ask yourself, are you for sale? 
Or have you been already purchased with a price? And do you have a sellout price? Or are you sold out? Does the loss of a loved one change your aggression and faith? Does a symptom in your body, does a diagnosis change your momentum and your goal in the race you're in? Do you have a sellout price? Or are you already sold out? All I've preached to you this morning, help me if I'm wrong, Pastor Jim. All I've preached to you this morning is the gospel. Scripture after scripture to back up the points and the things that I'm saying. It's all in there and there's a whole lot more I just short on time. And you're saying, amen, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) No, this wasn't hard to hear. This isn't correction. Nobody felt corrected. You can be convicted, it's, 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 it's fathering, it's, it's, a, it's a living room chat, it's, this, is what, this is a huddle play, this is like we're on the field, this is a touchdown play. And we got a defense that's trying to bear down on us, but we got the ball. So let's come out of the huddle and score. No amount of adversity should change what I'm saying. Oh, my. Pastor, can I do one more quick scripture? It's 1157. Are you sure? You're positive. Okay. First Peter chapter one. We can't miss this one. This one just hit me. I'm like, uh uh-oh. I'm like, Lord, you're going to have to make him shake his head because I believe this is you. And if he says no, he's just missing you for once. So I'm glad you were in tune. <laughs> First Peter chapter 1. Watch this. Oh, this is, this is icing on the cake. And then we're all going to stand up and just commit to a fresh conviction of commitment. And then I'm going to turn it over to your pastor. And we're going to go on for the rest of our lives. And pursue to live Christ and grow up in Him in all things. And it ain't about failing. It's about becoming. So even if in the journey you find yourself, you run to Him, don't run from Him. Because He loves us. Watch this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord. Oh my goodness. Sorry. I'm trying to go fast and it's like, yeah, let me back up. To the pilgrims. Of the dispersion in Pontius Galatia, blah, 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 all these places, right? It's all important. I'm not making lighter. I'm just having fun. To the elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience in the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, how spiritual is this? Like, ah! So he's making us one. We're all coming through that sprinkling, that same blood, and we're the elect. And blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom according to his abundant mercy has birthed us again or begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What's this mean? That nothing's ever over for the Christian. Death is never death. There's never end and final. Everything is living toward that day, for that day, because now we've become eternal in him. Why? Because we're one with the eternal one. You get it? Not because we prayed a prayer to go to heaven. Because the blood of Jesus washed us of all sin and made us in fellowship. It's union with deity. We've become one with God. Don't be so impersonal and just believe your name's in a book called life. Understand you've become one with God and you're one with the eternal one. So because of that, you live forever. Or we're going to think eternal life is just a gift package we get someday instead of a relationship we were intended to have forever. And we're kept, oh, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and it never fades away. Reserved in heaven for you. That's like, woo, whoop, 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 right? Come on. Because we're kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in this last time. And watch this. In this you greatly rejoice. 
So this is a mentality, this is a faith that you're supposed to have a perspective that, man, everything's taking me to that day. Are you with me? So in this you greatly rejoice, oh, watch, though now, huh, though now, right now, for a little while, if need be, interesting phrase with a comma, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. Who's ever been grieved by various trial? Yeah, it's not a trick question. It's not making you unspiritual if you raise your hand. My hand's up. We've been grieved. We have to walk through things. So we have this hope. We rejoice greatly, even though if now, if need be. You know what that if need be means to me? That if I'm walking through this thing and Satan comes immediately to steal the word, and he ends up stealing the word. And now I need encouragement. I'm broken again. I'm down again. Now I need another word, and he steals that word. I think the if need be is allowed to be if need be. But if he can't steal the word and the winds beat and vehemently blow and he doesn't take this house and break it down and we keep on trucking, I don't think, I think I pass through the if need be. There's not another evil spirit gonna walk in my room and do what it did all those years ago. Why? We passed that test. He will smoke that thing before it gets to my bedroom door. I don't even need to know it was there. It will just get smoked. Why? Because he ain't going to allow something to just pick on me when I'm already settled and established in something. But that thing don't believe it. And if you tell a friend, well, you need to do this, you need to do that. Well, if I were you, you should do this. And then two weeks later, you need to do that. Because you're in the same, yeah, who's ever had that happen? You give somebody advice, and now you need that advice. That's not an accident. That's the devil saying, okay, hotshot Christian, you think you got all the answers? Let's see if you even believe what you told him. Bam. And what a time to prove you believe. So the if need be can go away. See, the if need be is when you hear the word and you're a wise man, the storm comes. The storm comes to every man, wise or foolish. Just don't forget that. You just make sure you stay in the wise camp. If need be, for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. Why? Why doesn't God intervene? Why doesn't he stop it before it happens? Why doesn't he protect me? That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, though perishes, though tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Watch, whom having not seen you love, and though now you don't see him, who's ever said, I don't see God in this? Even now you don't see him, watch. This is something I said I've never seen before, but I've actually seen it one time in my life, and I don't have to explain it, but watch this. I've only ever seen a Christian do this one time in my 28 years. Though now we do not see him, Yet believing, we rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. That's in the middle of adversity. Where you can't even tell they're in adversity because they don't see adversity, they see purpose. And they ain't even on a prayer list. Because it ain't nothing to pray about because it ain't about the fire going out. It's about not being afraid and shining and manifesting Christ. So the fourth man can always be there. Yeah. Man, that's just flat out good preaching, Dan. (laughs) And look at verse 9. What are you going to receive if you live this way? So you have to understand there's a goal to your faith. I don't know if you understand there's a purpose to your faith and there's an outcome to your faith. Because we were all sensual through Adam. We went from spirit being to sensual beings. Do you understand that? We became sensual driven, feeling driven. Do you know the church spends countless hours ministering to people's feelings? Flashbacks, memories, dreams, impressions. Instead of giving them hardcore truth to get them free. Just trying to make people feel better instead of believe better. Receiving the end of your faith, the consummation. Some translations say the consummation, the consummation of your faith, the end result of your faith. Receiving the end of your faith. Look what it is. The salvation of your spirit. The salvation of your... What got all messed up through the fall of man? Uh Uh-huh. What's the highest part of man's being? What's the top of a man? 
What kicks Satan out of heaven? I'll rise up. I'll sit in the highest place. I'll be a God. I'll be God. I'll sit in the highest place. Shouldn't ought to have said that. Guess what he's trying to do? He can't stop God. He just wants to sit in the highest place of you. And he wants to rule and shut down the kingdom and could care less if you serve in ministry. He just wants to make sure you never shine. And he wants to live right here and rule right here and be a God unto you and rule and dictate your life. That's sobering, isn't it? You know, the Lord told me a long time ago on my bedland. He said, a demonstration of anger is a charismatic worship service to the wrong God. He said, don't you ever participate in one of those. No matter what I'm going through, I'm going to pass every trial and I'm going to rejoice with joy inexpressibly because I'm in a race. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a sojourner. I'm just passing through. This is not my home. And one day I'm going to stand in the home that he prepared for me. And I believe I'm going to take fruit with me people with me, testimonies with me. And when I get there, Paul said, you're my joy and crown. Like what you told me today and you came over and wept and told me, that's a crown. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kneel before him and I'm going to take that crown. Your life touched and changed through a revelation. I'm going to lay it at his feet. Because if it wasn't for you and your grace, it would have never happened, Lord. And we're all going to bow before him. But he needs soldiers enlisted that no longer entangle themselves in the affairs of this life and endure hardship as a good soldier. He doesn't need confessing Christians. He needs disciples, disciplined learners, wholehearted followers. Would you stand to your feet, please? Would you do your own heart a favor and be sincere and stretch your hands high to heaven as a sign of yieldedness and surrender? Would you do that? If that's in your heart especially, I would say do it anyway. Just do it by faith. Just say, God, burn this in me. Would you do this as a unit, as a house? Can we strive together for the faith of the gospel? Father, we declare this house will serve and live the faith of the gospel in union and covenant with you, that there will never be anything lacking in your grace is sufficient and everything we need according to seek first the kingdom and, and, and his righteousness. All these things shall be added. We just believe, God, we're lacking no good thing necessary to run this race, to walk out this thing. Lord, protect the heart and soul of this house. Lord, keep us on track, keep us on pace, and let us walk as one. We lift our hands and yield to you as individuals to make a corporate synergistic army. God, all believing the same thing. So Lord God, I just ask right now from my heart to yours that you would grant them this grace, that they wouldn't be shaken, that Lord God, they'd be convicted in these things continually, that each one would take accountability for their own personal walk in life and do it by grace in your great love. Lord, let this be a fun and amazing journey and let us run this race well and end at the finish line rejoicing with joy inexpressibly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.